Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we are continuing with our Spotlight series. We got our next session. And y'all, you need to stick around and hear this because we've got the man, the father. Uh, we've got Gerald Duncan and Bryce. We were fortunate enough to meet Gerald and get this whole thing going. And tonight is, uh, I guess, our night where he talks about how it all started. Talk to us about it, bro. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Gerald Duncan, uh, ex-professional basketball player, former NBA agent, but most importantly, like you said, the father of Maxie Duncan, our Spotlight Series uh, player. Uh, you know, with any player, any person that you see has any degree of success, it's rarely, if ever, an overnight situation. So we have Mr. Duncan here today to tell us what has Maxie done to get to the point that she's at and really who had the original idea and how this all got started. So with that being said, Gerald, welcome to Brothers on Tennis, man. Hey, man, I thank you guys for bringing me on. I really appreciate it. And um, I, I do have an interesting story on how Maxie Duncan made it to the, the big lights, uh, Harvard <laughs> University, uh, top, uh, top four player in the nation. And, and I can tell you, and I can, like I tell all the parents, um, it was not easy. It was a very, very difficult journey. But if I had to go back and redo it again, I would not change one thing. The knowledge that I learned, I would be able to uh, probably progress a little better but as far as the journey, that is the most exciting ups and downs uh, of a sport that, um, that I've seen. And, uh, as an, and as a professional basketball player and as an agent, you know, I thought basketball was a tough sport. But I'm going to tell you right now, tennis is something else. <laughs> it is something else. And... Um, I really put Maxie um, or got her to play tennis just by chance um, because I, I wanted my daughter to play a sport because I figure if you play a sport, then the chances of you going a straight and narrow path as far as with education um, to me is a lot easier because um, you're always got you're always going to stay busy. And, and, and that's what I, I think a lot of kids today that don't stay busy, they fall into different paths, wrong tracks of the road, but I always wanted her to stay busy. So uh, when she was around four or five years old, I used to throw this big, big giant softball at her, like at her face, like real fast. And for some reason, her hand-eye coordination was incredible. She would either hit it or she would deflect it. So I was like, wow, you know, um, I was, you know, thinking of a sport and I was like, well, what sport, you know, hand-eye coordination. So, you know, I thought volleyball, I thought basketball, because again, I played and I could train her. And then I even thought uh, uh, soccer. So we actually started soccer first and uh, she was playing soccer and running down the field. And I was just like, this is very boring. <laughs> she, wasn't touching the, she wasn't touching the soccer ball. I was like, man, am I gonna be coming out here watching this? Uh, I was like, wow, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. 
And then around the same time, um, I had read up on uh, Serena and Venus. Uh, my mom told me about her uh, years ago. You know, they were young African-American tennis players. So I, I was thinking, well, hey, you know, why not tennis? <laughs> right. And, you know, but again, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know anything about tennis. So I had to do the research. I had to do, uh, you know, talking to different people, you know, da, da, da. And uh, eventually um, I told her, uh, Maxie's mom, to uh, take her down to the park and uh, sign up with a, a lady doing like a, a beginner tennis course. And um, so she started there. I think she may be five years old, six years old. And she would, you know, go on twice a week, practicing, da, da, da. And then I, one day, you know, I was, uh, I was getting off of work. I came, you know, to see the practice and then and I looked at it and it didn't look like what I was watching on TV. So I was like, oh, this is not going to work. So, so I ended up making some more calls. And then I talked to a guy that was a tennis coach and then they recommend, recommend me to a, a guy by the name of Calvin Bennett. And he was a coach uh, off a of stalker in LA that he was, you know, training kids. So actually I brought her to him and we actually started training. So actually that's when she really started learning the tennis game. And then I f found out that she was a lefty. Uh, and then I was like, oh, you know, that might be something, you know, special. Um, and at the same time, she had uh, two hands on both sides. So I didn't know that, um, I didn't know that, you know, that wasn't, going to be conventional down the road and uh, and I found that out when she started playing she she actually got into this tournament called the Little Moles and won um, the regionals out in San Diego and then I was thinking wow you know she's going to be a great player I got one of the top young players in the world so she advanced to the regionals and then she went to another section and then finally she made it to the nationals and I think she was eight years old so she made it to the nationals and we stepped on the court in the Nationals, and I started looking around, and I started seeing little eight-year-olds that were looked like pros. <laughs> and, at, and at that point, I was like, wow, we're not that good. <laughs> so, so we ended up playing. She did well. She got to the quarters. And, um, and then I met uh, a guy by the name of uh, Mark Price. And Mark Price had a daughter named Gabriella Price, and she ended up being, she was like a prodigy uh, uh, player. And he was like, well, Gerald, you need to uh, take Maxie's uh, hand off that racket and let her, you know, she's a lefty and let her play, you know, just pure lefty. So um, when we got back to uh, California, that's exactly what we did. We, uh, we took her hand off. We met a couple of other coaches. And then we transcended onto the USTA in Carson and um, they ended up seeing her. And that's when we first kind of got our mark in the, in the tennis world where she got uh, selected to be uh, a high performance player at the, uh, at the USTA. And, um, and it was exciting considering that we didn't really have a clue. We didn't have a country club. We didn't have any family members that played tennis. You know, it was basically uh, self-taught. And, um, and then as she progressed to the juniors, she continued to get better and better. And she, you know, she ended up winning um, some national tournaments as she's got older. 
Um, but again, the journey uh, was a was a tough journey because we had to practice um, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. I had a you know I had I'm a real estate broker. You know I had a, a real estate company, and her mom had to take her to uh, practice, and it was it was a very straining uh, uh, straining or, or, or ordeal. Um, because, you know, tennis is a sport where you pretty much have to play every day uh, to get better. Uh, and if you don't play, then you're probably not going to last uh, in the sport. So um, eventually um, I had to like take a leave of absence from my job as she's got better and better and better. And I had to like get more involved with her tennis. And in that essence, um, you know, she, continue to get better and better and we start traveling international we start meeting coaches and at that time we met uh, my mom met Sloan Stevens um, uh, mother and 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 then from there she kind of gave me a, a mentorships where she was telling me about a, a coach in Florida uh, named Nick Saviano that we ended up going to to get you know better training to continue to learn the sport and then we ended up creating a great relationship with, uh, with Sloan Stevens. So Sloan invited us out to uh, what she was playing at one time in Indian Wells, uh, the number one in the world, Carol Wozniacki. So she invited us to sit in her box. So we were looking around like, wow, we see all the players on TV. <laughs> and then one of the players that we were next to uh, was uh, Uncle Tony. Uh, he's actually the coach of uh, Rafael Nadal. So we, he was playing next after Sloan was done. So we got a chance to, uh, you know, talk with uh, Uncle Tony and watch uh, Nadal play. And it was really uh, an experience I'd never forget. You know, mm -hmm. people were calling us like, yeah, we see you and Maxie on TV, da da da, da. <laughs> And I was like, wow. And then uh, another thing, as we continue to progress, um, we start playing in the Nationals. And this one particular National we played in there, um, I think Maxie was 12 years old and we were playing in the national clay court champions. And then one of my friends uh, had a, had a little daughter. She was like maybe nine years old. And, um, and uh, we, um, he wanted her to play doubles with her. And then Maxie was like, well, she's kind of, you know, she's really small. And I said, Maxie, she's really good. Let's just, let's try to play doubles with her. And, uh, and then we ended up playing doubles and lo and behold, it was Coco Golf. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and they didn't win. They lost the, uh, I think, the first round of the tournament. But then we ended up playing a year later again. And uh, Maxi and Coco went to the finals of, uh, of another Clay Court Nationals. So we, <laughs> we ended up striking a great relationship uh, with Coco and her dad and her family. And you know, and you know the Coco Golf story. Uh, right, right. You know, these are the pros down. So, um, you know, the journey's been uh, uh, really, really, uh, really exciting. Uh, once we got to the level of, um, as Maxie got older, um, and her ranking continued to climb, she became a blue chip. And then um, the pandemic hit, and when the pandemic hit, we had to actually. Uh, uh, moved to uh, Arizona because California shut down and they were not allowing anybody to play tennis on any court. So we had a friend um, 
that has his own academy. His name is Rafael Amora. And he was like, well, Gerald, come down here. You guys can get to work on your game. I know she got a couple of years left before she decided whether she want to turn pro or go to college. And I was like, man, you know, thank you for saving us. So we ended up training there during the pandemic. Um, it was about 125 degrees. <laughs> it was like sweating on a, on a farm, man. It was just so, it was so tough. But from that, she ended up winning 16 matches in a row. Once the, you know, through the pandemic, she won two college tournaments. And this is when she's still in high school. She won two college tournaments and a pro tournament. Um, she went from 54 in the nation to four. So we went from having maybe 30 colleges calling us to everybody in the country. So, you know, we looked at UCLA, we looked at USC, but I got a call from, um, um, from the coach at Harvard. And, and, uh, and it's funny because we actually met her doing a national uh, hardcore tournament in San Diego and Maxi had just played really extremely well and just really beat a girl really bad. And I walked off the court and then the, the lady, Tracy Green, uh, African-American coach was like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you know, your daughter has a lot of weapons. You know, would she be interested in going to Harvard? And in the back of my mind, I was like, Harvard? No, we're not going to Harvard. We're going to UCLA. We're going to, you know, Harvard. No way. <laughs> That's too hard. <laughs> so, you know, circle back around, you know, once, you know, she got to the top four of the nation. I ended up, Maxie ended up being interested in uh, talking to some of the Ivy League schools. And we did recruiting trips. And we ended up talking to uh, Tracy again. And uh, we had a long discussion about life, about tennis, about after tennis, you know, about school. And, you know, after that conversation, um, we pretty much were very interested in Harvard. Um, but the, the kicker was uh, when we went on recruiting trips and we went to some of the schools, the Columbia's, the Browns. And when we stepped on the, the um, the Harvard campus, it was like, you felt just like legendary. He was like right. former presidents of the United States, judges, you know, Bill Gates was a dropout, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just, just hollow. You felt like you were on hollow ground. Right. And, and I think at this point she knew and I knew that this was like a place that she wanted to be a part of. And, um, and currently now she's the uh, number one player at Harvard and having a great freshman year. And, um, and it all started back from um, throwing the, 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 um, the little ball at her and seeing her see how fast her hands were. And um, it's, uh, it's just been a pleasure to meet. I've met so many coaches. We've, uh, we've met so many friends that have helped us uh get to this level and now we have friends that are in the pros uh it's just a, a blessing to get to this level when we didn't had no knowledge of tennis at all so um i think it's a really uh interesting story hopefully one day it'll be picked up um but it uh it's a it's a it's a it's a journey that uh i have a lot of backstories in the middle of the journey that, you know, there were days when uh, Maxie was like, you know, 
I don't know if I want to play tennis. I, you know, I'm tired, you know. Blah, blah. And every day that I was like, I'm tired of taking you to practice. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I wish I could be doing something else too. But I think what, what it did was it just pushed us to just continue to grind. We both grinded. Um, and we, and then the end result is like, man, we, 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 we she achieved uh, incredible uh, levels. Um, she's always been very bright. She's uh, four, always been a 4.0 student. You know, she's always had other hobbies besides tennis. Um, I never really had to, to really like push her to the brink, but I've had to like encourage her, hey, we can keep working harder, but she really loves tennis. She really, really loves tennis. And, um, and she sees where, how tennis has taken her from uh, an unknown player to where she has friends all over the world. And, um, and she, uh, she's a very humble person. She, um, she even did an Apple commercial with the Apple company, uh, the Apple uh, Six Watch. Uh, and that was an amazing story. So she's um, transcended from um, a little girl to a, a woman. And now um, we're trying to get to that next level. So, so that's that is pretty, awesome. That's pretty much a, a brief uh, story of the, the Maxie Duncan story. But Gerald, I actually have a question for you. Do you see or had you seen any parallels between her competitiveness and compared spirit as it, as it compares to when you were actually playing ball and were in the NBA? Do you see yeah. any similarities with how she's yes, coming I, at the game? Yes, I do. And uh, one thing that we both have in common is we hate to lose. <laughs> we hate to lose at anything. <laughs> Not just tennis. We hate to lose at checkers. We hate to lose at marbles. It's the game of sorry. So that competitiveness is like we just, we, we refuse to lose. And that has fueled her to, uh, to just continue to get better. Because I remember there's one girl she played when she was a junior. She, she was, the girl was older and she beat Maxie like four times in a row. And Maxie was like crying. I can't, I can't beat her, da, 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 da. And then the fifth time he played her, Maxie went to another level. <laughs> and she just refused to lose again. Right. And, uh, that's what I knew. You know, it was something special inside of her because she was like, I'm not losing again. <laughs> <laughs> she just turned the level up, just just electrified the uh, level. It was just incredible. It was right. incredible. Well, I actually have a question for you as well. So a lot of people nowadays are kind of familiar with the Williams family story because of the movie King Richard and it's gotten more exposure. When you kind of listen to your story, there are some parallels there. Did you draw anything of what you knew about what Richard Williams was doing with Venus and Serena to what you did with Maxie? Yes, and, and what I tried to do and what I learned because I read everything that he's ever done. I read all the books. He had a vision of his daughter later on down the road, not at 12, not at 13, not at 14. He had a vision and he built their game to sustain for the long haul. And he knew as they got bigger and stronger that they would continue to improve. What a lot of people that have great young tennis players, 
is they 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 level off at a certain level. They may be the best 12 year old in the world, 13 year old, 14 year old, 15 year old, but they don't improve anymore. And that's because they don't really have a plan to continue to get better. And we kind of like, you know, with the coaches that I dealt with, I always was like, we're gonna continue to build our game slowly. And that is, this is not a sprint. There's no way to get out there and be the best 15 year old in the world at a young age and be able to sustain it. You can, you might do a one year, a one hit wonder and have a great year, but how are you gonna sustain that for 10, 15, 18 years? So that's what Richard did. Richard built their game. He knew there were pieces of the game that if I have a great serve, I have a great forehand, and if I, and if I can chase down any ball, those little components right there will give me a chance. And those are the same components that we kind of worked on, the forehand, the serve, and ability to chase down balls. And also the ability to have a strong mental fortitude because there's a lot of great tennis players out there, but a lot of them under pressure, just they can't cut it because of the pressure is just so overwhelming. You know, they play different from how they practice. So I took a lot of what Richard did with his daughter and implemented it into my game. And again, if it wasn't any, uh, I got to plug this in real quick. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Richard Williams, we would not be playing tennis because if it wasn't for his game plan and his, uh, and his uh, plan with his daughters, I would have no way to, uh, to come up with a plan because I had no one else to go off of. You know, this is not a sport where we have a whole lot of uh, uh, comparables out there. You know, the only comparable I had was, uh, was Venus uh, and Serena. And that was it. Man, that is that that that's hey they 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 you know they have the best plan uh, imaginable. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right. <laughs> so right. you followed the right plan, bro. That yeah. is for sure. Thank yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Gerald, this has been just a great walk down the 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 very short life. Of, of Maxie Duncan at this point. Um, and so thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, before we wrap this up, are there any kind of final comments you wanna make about well, kind of where Maxie is now and, and, and what your plan and her plan uh, includes coming up next? Well, a lot of people know that Maxie's probably one of the most talented young players uh, young young players in the world, but they really haven't seen anything yet because she's really just learning how to play. And this is technology in 2022. This is uh, how we do. <laughs> uh, and, oh. and normally when it catches you on a freeze frame, it's usually not one of your most complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens to me all the time. So the anyway, time. that was Mr. Gerald Duncan and it was so good having him on. Uh, and we'll have him on again because yes. you can tell he gives good stories and good recounts and uh, uh, Isaac, I'm just so happy that they have allowed us 
to really follow this this very exciting story. I absolutely agree, Bryce. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gerald is awesome and this story is great and it's a pleasure to be able to bring it to you, the listeners um, and, and viewers, because this is this is good stuff. We're, we're on the precipice of, of a really nice, nice ascension, if you will, of a young lady, so. Yes. So just wanna remind everyone, on our website, under the Spotlight series, we are still tracking Maxie's results and her results with Harvard. So, you know, stay up on that. And we will continue the first Friday of every month to continue to bring you some really good episodes uh, that will continue to chronicle the progression and the growth of Miss Maxie Duncan. So uh, with that, on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Let's go, Maxie Duncan. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.